I have here in my hands the solution to most of life's problems. It's my entry form to Publishers Clearinghouse um, Grand Prize Sweepstakes, $14,000 a week for their grand prize. Now, for those of you who are trying to figure out the math, that's $728,000 a year every year for the rest of your life. Ever wonder what you could do with that kind of money? The reality is, and unfortunately, life rarely works out that way. Most of us don't have that kind of a windfall. The simple fact is that most of us will never have that kind of financial security. And not only will we not have a surplus to be able to live our life, some of us will probably work the rest of our lives just trying to keep our heads above water. And now, given the economic fallout from the pandemic and the virus, many of us find our financial situation to be even more precarious. Retirement accounts have been decimated. Jobs have been lost. Businesses have been closed. We find ourselves in some very uncertain times. And for some of us, our financial future is even more horrifying. We currently live, we're currently in a series looking at the various points, pressure points that are created by this current pandemic. Last week, Pastor Farrell talked about the, the, the pressure of uncertainty, of living with uncertainty. And today we're going to talk about the pressure point of finances. <clears throat> now, we know that as Christ followers, we're not supposed to live in fear. But how should we think and behave in times like this? The Bible teaches us to be generous. But really, to be generous during a time of financial hardship seems really counterintuitive. And yet we find multiple instances in the Bible when God's provision was directly related to how a person responded in the midst of an economic crisis. One such instance, we see this in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. And it's about a woman, a widow, actually, a single mom, who finds herself in a situation that is um, really harsh. And, and, and we're going to learn a little bit more about her. But let me give you a little context before we read the passage. So the Israelites had turned their back away from God once again, had turned away from God. And as punishment, and in order to get the people to turn back to him, God was going to send a famine. He's going to hold the rain for three and a half years. So he tells the prophet Elijah, this is what I'm going to do. Elijah then goes to King Ahab. Um, Ahab is one of the worst kings on record. Evil, evil person. He and his wife, Queen Jezebel, um, were some of the worst um, leaders in, in biblical record. Evil things that they were doing. And they caused the Israelites to turn their back away from God. And so, unfortunately, rather than repenting and turning back to God, King Ahab decides, I'm going to kill the messenger. So he puts a, a, a hit out or a bounty on, Elijah said. Elijah flees, and he flees to, into what is present-day Jordan. And he finds a remote area where there's actually a little brook where he's able to get water during this time of famine. And the Bible tells us that God actually sent ravens to feed him in the morning and in the evening, twice a day. And the ravens would bring uh, both bread and meat for Elijah to eat. And so he was able to be sustained during this time of famine. And that's where we pick up our, our Bible passage today. And I have some help reading the verses. Some time later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go once to Zaphath of Sidon and stay. 
stay there, for I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he got to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Could you bring me a little water in a jar that I may have a drink? As she was going, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as your God lives, she said, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. And we may eat it and die. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went and did as Elijah told her. So there was food for every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord, spoken by Elijah! Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the example that we have in the the widow of Zarephath. Lord, may we understand about her situation in a way that would speak to us and help us should we find ourselves in such a financial uh, circumstance. Uh, God, give us insight and wisdom here in the next few minutes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there is so much that is really unusual about this story. I mean, think about it. Ravens. I mean, to have birds show up in the morning and the evening bringing you meat and bread, I kind of wonder what that looked like uh, for Elijah. And, but just what an unusual way to provide for him. It's also interesting to me that God's initial provision was short-lived. So, yes, God provided him the brook and a place to, 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 for that he wouldn't die of, of thirst and heat of water, but, but the, 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 the brook ran dry, and you'd think God would have a longer-term solution the other thing, too, it's interesting is that Elijah, at this point in time, he's in what is present-day Lebanon. He's east of the Jordan uh, River, and he's, God sends him to the area of Sidon, which is in southern Lebanon on the coast. I, we're not sure the exact route, but it's at least 100 miles away. Why would God send Elijah 100 miles away to provide for his needs? And it wasn't just any some random place. God sent Elijah to Zarephath, which is just down the road from Queen Jezebel's hometown of Sidon. And again, she was trying to kill him. She hated him. And it's such an unusual setting and circumstance. Why would God send Elijah there to provide for his needs? Even Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, even Jesus points out the unusual nature of this event. He says, I assure you, <clears throat> I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. If you don't know the end of the story, you have to wonder, what is God doing? Very little of it makes sense. And that actually brings me to the first point, or the first takeaway from uh, this story. And that is God can meet your needs in ways you cannot even imagine. We think according to what we see. We think according to our own circumstances. God has no such limitations. 
while Elijah was worried about where his next meal was going to come from, God was planning to meet his needs through someone he had never met. 1 Corinthians says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God can do some amazing things in ways for us that we can't even imagine. Now, I'm also very conscious of the fact that some of us might identify more with the widow of Zarephath than with Elijah. Can you imagine the anguish that she lived with? You know, she didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I think today's the day we're going to die. You know, we're going to fix our last meal and this is going to be it. No, she's been living with this fear for weeks, probably months, trying to figure out a way for her and her son to survive. And then, and then as bad as things were, a stranger, a foreign stranger, a stranger from another country asked her to share her last meal with him. Giving away what little she had might seem foolish, even irresponsible. Elijah spoke to the woman, and in his discussion with her, he said these words in verse 14. He said, for this is what the Lord says. The Lord, the God of Israel, this is what he says. The flour won't be used up. The oil won't run dry. And at that moment, the woman made a crucial decision. Out of fear, the woman could have said, no. She could have said, I'm going to hang on to what little I have. I'm not going to share. The story would have had a very different outcome had she said no. But she didn't say no. She trusted what God is saying through Elijah. And for me, that's the second takeaway from this story. Listen to the voice of God. I'm not Elijah. I can't say what God might be saying specifically to you. But here's what I know. God is your provision. It's not your 401k. It's not even your job. God is your provision. I love what it says in Malachi chapter 3. The Israelites here again at another point in time had stopped giving, had withheld their tithes and offerings, and were, were withholding what belonged to God, and were not being very generous at all. And God says this to him, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. God is saying to us, when it comes to finances, test me. Really, I think if God was, if this was in today's uh, vernacular, God might even say something like this. Give, be generous, I dare you, and see what happens. And that really is, for me, the final takeaway from this story. You have to be willing to step out in faith. Elijah had to be willing to leave what he knew to be safe, to travel to a foreign country just so someone he never met could provide for his needs. And the widow of Zarephath had to be willing to open her heart and give out of her poverty. She gave the bread to Elijah before she realized the fulfillment of God's promise. The reality is that her obedience made it possible for God to do a miracle in her life. Deuteronomy tells us that uh, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. 
so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Betsy and I learned the power of trusting God with our finances early on in, in our marriage. Here's our story. Hi, everyone. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. Uh, we have been married 37 years. Is that, did I get that yep, right? Almost 37 years. Uh, today, I'm actually talking about financial pressures. We're in this series on pressure points, things that people deal with during this pandemic. And um, I think probably the overarching thing I want to convey to everyone is that when you find yourself in the midst of a financial crisis, we can trust that God is going to provide a means through that situation. But what's interesting is that sometimes in the middle of those seasons, God asks you to do something that's unusual, almost counterintuitive. And that's to, to, to do something generous, to to actually give away money when actually what you're in desperate need of, of money. Um, now, I, I know over the course of our lives, we've encountered a few of those uh, instances. I, I'm curious, though, do you remember the first time that ever happened to us? I do remember that very clearly. Um, I was in Pittsburgh already. We were moving there, and um, I was um, doing an internship uh, at a travel agency. And you called me and said, I really feel like the Lord has put it on my heart to give this large sum of money to an organization. And um, I was shocked, really. My initial thought was like, oh my word, because uh, that was money we were saving for a car that we desperately needed a second car. When I called you, it wasn't as if I'd said, hey, we're gonna do this. I was really wrestling. And I, I was just, I remember sharing with you that I, I'm, I had this thought or this idea and I was trying to discern, is this actually God speaking uh, to us or not? I think for me, because I'm, I don't process things as much as you do, I, I came to that um, decision much more quickly because I felt like if this is something that was on your heart that you'd prayed about for us, then we need to take a step of obedience and do that. So it was easier for so, me. Oh, well, it's, it's interesting. So for, it took a couple of weeks. And I remember <clears throat> that for me, it, the issue was... Um, it really was an act of obedience, if you will. There was this sense of this thought impression wasn't going away. And I've kind of learned over time since then that if, if an idea comes to me, if it dissipates over a couple of days or goes away, then I always just me having a random thought. But I've discovered if that thought stays with me for an extended period of time, that I've learned that that's probably the Holy Spirit prompting me to, to actually do something. And I remember we were talking, it was a Wednesday night, and we finally came to the point where we said, listen, if we're going to do this, let's do it. So I remember we wrote off the check and put an envelope, and the very next morning, I mail it on my way into the church office. But I got to the office, the senior pastor watched through, uh, Jay, and he, uh, he said, hey, I just had breakfast with this guy, one of the other members of the church, and he's getting a new car. But rather than trading in his old car for a new one, he wants to give it to the church. Do you know of anyone who can use a car? And I remember, remember my, my jaw probably dropped open. I said, I think I do. I think I know. And I drove that car for a couple of years. It was probably my favorite car. It was a 1975 Datsun B210, three-speed hatchback. I mean, it was, it was just a lot of fun to drive. Um, but I think even more than the car, uh, the provision, the thing that really stands out to me was your response. When I called you after that and let you know, hey, here's what just happened, do you, remember, do you remember what you said? I, that, said, that cow, that I do remember. I was like, wow, what else can we give away? <laughs> no, I, which I love that. I remember thinking, I married the right woman. <laughs> uh, because you know, it wasn't, hey, that's great. or you know, It was, 
it was instantly, what else can we give away? Because you were connecting this idea of obedience to God's provision. When God instructs you to do something, we need to do it. And I think out of that, we learned um, first and foremost that you can never outgive God. There are currently so many uncertainties in life. But one thing I know is this. God blesses faithfulness. And God blesses generosity. If you find yourself in a financial crisis, a couple things. One is be prudent. Um, we know that, we're, that all of our creditors and mortgages and things, they're, they're, they're willing to work with people, make the phone calls, talk, do things, cut expenses, do the things you know. Also, that there's people, know that you're not alone. There's people here at, at Grace that are wanting to help and are ready to help in whatever way, whether it's food or other kinds of resources. And we also have a group who are really excited about helping you make different plans. Um, be checking the, the COVID-19 response on the church website and be able to see what are some of the opportunities that we're offering that will help you get on top of your financial crisis. So that's the first thing is be prudent and, and do the things you can do that on your behalf. But the second thing I want to encourage you to do is, is to look for ways to be generous. And now maybe it's ways other than money. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe it's with other things. But we need to be generous in times of hardship. Lastly, if you sense God is asking you to do something specific, do it. Don't question it. Trust that God is in fact doing it or speaking to you. Let me leave you with one final thought. The widow of Zarephath was the means of provision for Elijah. And Elijah was the means of salvation for the widow and her son. Even in the midst of financial hardship, you may be the answer to someone else's prayer. You know, I end every one of our services in Statesville with a benediction. So let me end our time here today with the same. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.